Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. I just want to say I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful that you are here today. I love our church. There is no church like Social Dallas. And uh, if you're just visiting, just know you are a part of the family. This is our baptism service, and we're actually going to get to that sooner than later. Uh, But I want to do something. I really want to just set up and talk to you about the why behind the what we're doing today. And I want to continue a series that we've been in. But one more time, if you are getting baptized today, I'd actually like you to stand to your feet real quick. All the people who are getting baptized today, come on. Would you make some noise for all of them? This is a big deal. And I want you to keep that same energy when they get baptized today, because this is like a wedding. This is like the day where you make that public announcement to let people know that the change that Jesus has done on the inside is not to be kept on the inside, but you have to go public with your faith. Amen? And so uh, we're going to get to that, but first I just want to share a word that's on my heart. I promise you I will not be before you long. Uh, But we've been in a series that we kicked off last week, and we're calling this series Socially Awkward. Now don't point at anybody when I say that. And I basically set up the series by saying that every single person, whether you realize it or not, you are socially awkward. Oh, yes, you are socially awkward to some degree. And many of us always want to show the awesome parts of us, and we want to hide the awkward. But I'm telling you, God meets you in the awkward. Awkward is that space between the ideal you and the real you. And often God's grace shows up right in that awkward moment. So don't reject the awkward, embrace the awkward, because that's often where God's grace will meet you. So that's the series we've been in, and I want to add to that today, and I want to look at Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. We are a church that believes that this book, the Bible, is the Word of God. It shapes, it forms our life, and we're going to come around that Word today. Mark chapter 1, starting at verse number 9. If you're ready to read it, say, yeah. If you ain't ready, say, hold on. If you just want me to read because you hot, say, please hurry. (laughs) Somebody was desperate with that. And it says, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Immediately, the spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beast. And the angels ministered to him. The angels ministered to him. I'm praying that happens today, that angels would minister to you right here at Strauss Square. I want to preach today for about three and a half hours. <laughs> Somebody's like, I'll baptize myself if that's for real. <laughs> I want to preach today using this as a title, Lost in Transition. Lost in Transition. Look at your neighbor one last time and say, oh neighbor, it is possible to be lost in transition. Ooh, let's pray. Father, speak today 
Amen. Are there any class of 2022 graduates out here today? Come on, if you're a graduate, would you just wave at me real quick? No, mom, forget that. If you're a graduate, stand to your feet. Class of 2022. Come on, y'all. You can be seated. That is absolutely amazing. Congrats to you. I have to celebrate you because in our household, in the Madhu household, we have two graduates. Two graduates. In fact, we had two graduations back to back. Uh, my youngest, ooh, Remy, graduated from pre-K. Pre-K. Then my son, my man-child, Robert Madhu III, graduated from kindergarten, y'all. I watched my two little humans walk across the stage. I'm going to be honest with you. I was so proud because you know what? I did it. Yeah, me and my wife, we did it. They didn't do nothing. They didn't do it. That was our day. That was our day. They can't even tie their shoes yet. I really took time to celebrate us because we're the ones that got them up every single day for school. You know how many fights we had about, I don't want to wear that. Do I have to go? How many Pop-Tarts we threw in the back of the GMC just to get them to school? It was our big day. It was awesome. We celebrated our little humans as they graduated from pre-K and from K-5. And I love going to graduations. Graduations are my favorite. But I go to graduations not necessarily watch the graduates. That's not where the action is. I go to graduations to watch the audience. I go to watch the families because you will see some of the craziest behavior when you go to a graduation. People have paid a whole lot of money. It's been a whole lot of investment. I love to see how families do not care about any of the little rules that they have at the graduation. Y'all, at my son's graduation, I broke all the rules. I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. We walked into my son's graduation. They said as we walked in, uh, we're going to ask that you actually uh, start on the right side when you're seated and please don't save any seats. I looked at him and said, absolutely. Walked right in, told my dad, here, put your wallet over here. Babe, get your keys over here. You've been doing yoga. Stretch it out. We got to get all these seats in the front. We broke all kinds of rules in the graduation. Another rule that they need to stop putting in the graduation because everybody breaks this rule, and that's the rule where they get up to you and say, uh, we have a lot of people graduating today. We have a lot of people graduation, graduate, graduating, so we're going to ask that you hold your applause to the very end. <laughs> I love when they make that announcement because nobody is going to keep <laughs> that rule. I don't care who you are. I don't care your race. I don't care your culture. I promise you, when your person walks across that stage and they call their name, you are going to turn all the way up. I don't care. You're with my Latino people. Where you at? You go It's a football game. You're going to have a mariachi band. I don't care who you are. White people, y'all going to turn up too? Yeah, let's go. Let's go, Brad. Way to get her done. Way to get her done. That's my boy. Roll tight. You're going to turn up no matter what. Black people. Oh. You know how we going to do. <laughs> we were turned up when they started the music. wait to the end. I can't do it. There's something on the inside of you that has to verbally express your approval. 
You can't keep that in. You have to let them know, I love you. You did it. But that's not actually the emotion I want to talk about today. I actually want to talk about an emotion that most people don't ever discuss at graduations. And that's the emotion of the graduate. Because it's kind of weird to graduate, isn't it? Because on one hand, you're excited that your friends and family are turning up for you and you threw the hat in the other and you're smiling and you ate the cake and you're so happy that you got the gift cards and the gifts, hopefully with a gift receipt. But isn't it that feeling on the inside of you that kind of goes, wow, this is awesome. But what's next? It's a weird feeling to graduate because you're trapped with this outward celebration, but on the inside, you realize that a transition has just taken place. And now you're trying to figure out, <laughs> what, what, what do I do next? Achievement is weird because achievement can make you feel awkward. Because once you had the degree that you were pressing for, it was something to fight for. But once you walk across the stage and you shake the hand and you got it, you're trying to figure out, what do I do now in the transition? And it's crazy how you don't have to graduate to have that feeling where you are stuck in between who you were and who you will be. And you're lost in transition. Have you ever been lost in the transition of who you will step into and who you stepped out of? And on one hand, you're thanking God that you are not where you were, but you're fully cognizant of the fact that you are not where you're supposed to be. And sometimes you can get lost in the transition. I love this scripture today because this baptism of Jesus is all about transition. It's all about transition. It is the transition of Jesus' ministry. It's the transition of his life. And I love that Jesus got baptized because that ought to give you some concrete proof as to why this is important today. How I many you know we got to stop doing stuff in church just because we're doing it and we don't understand why we're doing it? If there's any scripture you need for why you should get baptized, the one I read today is for you because Jesus got baptized. He's not just our Lord and our Savior. How many of you know he is our model and our example? So if Jesus got baptized, you know your crazy self needs to get baptized. He got baptized to set an example for us. Not only that, in Matthew chapter 28, I love it. It's his last words. Look at what he says, his final words to us. He says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, there it is, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was setting for us the model, the example, that what we're doing today is not just a ceremony. It's not just something that should be taken lightly. In fact, there's only two things that he ordained for us to do, ordinances of the church. He says, I want you to always take communion, and I want you to get baptized, and he modeled it for us in what he did. But this moment of baptism, it was a transition. Would you just say transition? Come on, say it with your chest. Say transition. It was a transition for Jesus when he got baptized because at this moment in his life, he is transitioning, hear me, from obscurity into notoriety. He's transitioning from being in complete anonymity to now everybody knowing who he was. This was a big transitional moment for him because up until this moment, he is 30 years old. Up until this moment, he has kept it on the DL that he is the son of the living God. Can you imagine? You want to talk about awkward? Can you imagine being God in flesh and keeping that to yourself for 30 years? Come on, you can't even not post your lunch today. 
If that was you, you would have had it all over the gram, all over your Facebook. Y'all know I'm the one, right? For 30 years, he kept it to himself. For 30 years, he was in complete anonymity. Can you imagine what that was like for 30 years to be in the world that you created? That's awkward. For 30 years to be listening to people that you created. For 30 years to be in complete obscurity. And he was cool with being in the background. He was cool with it. Can you imagine? You, you know he had siblings, right? Ooh, can you imagine growing up in the household and Jesus is your brother? I want you to think about it for a minute. You're waking up trying to fake tell my mama, uh-uh, Mary, I'm sick. I can't go to school. And Jesus look at you, uh-uh, no, he's not. He's lying. I'm telling you. Very truly, I tell you, he lying right now. <laughs> then the next day, you for real sick. No, I ain't lying this time. And Jesus come right up to you. Be healed in my name. Get up. Come on. Can you imagine? He was in complete anonymity for 30 years, and he was cool with it. You know why he was cool with being in the background? You know why he was cool with it? Because he knew who he was. He would often say, I know where I've come from and I know where I'm going. How many you know when you know who you are, you're okay with the awkwardness of not getting acknowledgement? People who don't know who they are always have to announce who they are. I know you don't know who you are when you're always trying to tell me who you are. But Jesus never felt pressure to prove himself because he knew who he was. And I wish I had at least 15 of y'all at Stroud Square that said, you know what? I don't have time to waste trying to prove myself to other people, trying to get that validation. I already know who I am and whose I am. And when you know who you are, you ain't got to prove it to nobody else. He knew who he was. So he was okay with being in the background. Some of you are so thirsty for validation from other people. And it's simply because you don't know who you are. And I'm telling you that if you got the approval of your heavenly father, you wouldn't be trying to look for it in the voices of other people. Ooh, in fact, the more you're trying to tell me who you are, the more I know you don't know. You know why? Because healthy things don't scream. <laughs> healthy things don't scream that they're healthy. They're just healthy. Nobody's ever walked into a room and told you, hey, you know, my ankle feel good today. <laughs> Nobody's ever told you that. You know why? Because if it's healthy, you don't have to announce it. But how many you know if somebody got a sprained ankle, that's <sighs> Ooh, you ever met that person make so many noises, you got to say, what is it, man? You know, this, this big toe is killing me. You know, I sprayed it the other day. And many of us are so desperate for the validation of other people when all the while our Heavenly Father is trying to give it to us. He was in complete obscurity until it was his time. It was his moment. How many are thankful that God knows your time? He knows when it's your moment. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to pass out your business card at every dinner. When it is your time, nobody can stop it. And it was Jesus' time that day as he's getting baptized in the Jordan. Can you see Jesus? Kind of awkward because he's fully God and fully man. Getting baptized whoo, by John the Baptist. John the Baptist got to be the most awkward dude in the whole Bible. Have you read about him? Oh, he's completely awkward. John the Baptist, crazy awkward. This man is out in the wilderness eating bugs. 
eating honey. He was so awkward. He was so awkward because he's not even supposed to be a prophet. He's actually supposed to be a priest. But you know you're awkward when one hand you're supposed to be something on paper, but internally there's something else. There's a call that God has on your life, and the call on your life, it doesn't make sense to your family. It doesn't make sense to anybody but you. He was so awkward. He was awkward because he's out there in the wilderness. The Bible says that he wore camel hair. That's awkward. I love that he wore camel hair too because when I started thinking about camels, you know I love camels. Camels will be chilling out here right now. You know why? Because camels have this incredible ability to make it in hot conditions. The reason they can make it in hot conditions is because whenever they sit down to take in water, they're able to take in gallons of water in one sitting. So a camel can go 15 years, excuse me, 15 days, not years, that's a dead camel, humps all gone. <laughs> a camel can go 15 days with no water. Why? Because they had the ability to take in so much water in one sitting. I think that's the power of getting your approval from your heavenly father. How many know when you have approval from God and you know he is for you, you don't have to waste your time looking for it in other people. Here we have his awkwardness meeting Jesus' awkwardness. The Bible says that when they met in the water that day, Look at what John the Baptist said. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. I love it because John the Baptist was so awkward. All of the people of his day were confused. And how in the world are you telling people to repent of their sins when there's been no sacrifice? They were used to the temple where you brought in a lamb. But I love John the Baptist because he was still telling people, you need to repent, turn from your sins. He was still proclaiming it. All the while they were looking at him saying, where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? Until one day, kind of like a day like this, in an open air service, all of a sudden he looks out and says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And here comes Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, coming to get baptized. He was the one that John had been waiting for. John was awkward because he preached the same message all the time. John only had one sermon. Can you imagine if every time a preacher preached, he only had one message? That's what John the Baptist did. His message was the same every time. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand every single Sunday. Can you imagine if every podcast, every message I preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mother's Day service, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Pentecost Sunday, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Father's Day service, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Fourth of July service, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. You know they were sitting up there fanning and going, uh, John, when you gonna get another message? You're looking at them like, I get another message as soon as y'all repent. <laughs> For the kingdom of God is at hand. What does it mean to repent? Repent is a word that's gotten a bad reputation in society. Because many of you hear a preacher saying, repent, because you're going to go to hell. And so you think repent is a bad word, but can I tell you, repent is a beautiful word. Repent is the first words that came out of Jesus' mouth when he began to preach the gospel. And do you know what repent means? It simply means to change your mind. It simply means to turn. I believe today God is calling somebody to repent, to change your mind. Maybe you had a certain mindset about who Jesus is, and God today is telling you to turn. 
There's some of you, you've been going a certain way and a certain flow with a certain group of people and God's message to you today is to turn, to repent. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me, but here's the power of repentance. Repentance is not just a one-time event. Repentance is something that should happen, especially in the life of a believer, all the time. You should always be changing your thinking. If your thinking is not changing, how many know you're not growing? Okay, let me see where the honest folks are. How many of you can look at just one area of your life right now that maybe a few years ago you thought you were right about it, but now you know you're wrong about it? Can I see your hand? <laughs> let me make it real plain. How many of you know a person <laughs> that you thought, no, nah, I'm telling y'all, y'all don't see him. He got potential. He the one. You thought you were right about it in one season, but now in hindsight you realize you're wrong. How many of you can say a few years back, true? How many of you believe that there's some things you believe right now that the future you will go, that was wrong? You realize what you just admitted to. You admitted, admitted to be in a perpetual state of ignorance. Because you don't know. And God can always work with somebody. He says, I don't know. I need to repent and change the way I think, because maybe I was wrong. Do you know what the first step to coming to Jesus is? Is admitting I'm wrong. I, I don't know how to do life. I cannot do life on my own. Since you created me, let me do life your way. Somebody needs to turn today. And perhaps the hardest thing for us to admit in our lives is that we were wrong. I was wrong. You ever gotten an argument with somebody? And you know how that argument could have just been fixed if you would have just looked at them and said, my bad, I was wrong. You know how many marriages would be saved if just one person would swallow their pride and go, I was wrong. You ever got one of them fake apologies from somebody? People don't know how to apologize today because we hate to admit that we're wrong. Well, that hurts. Well, I'm sorry you're so sensitive. <laughs> well, I'm sorry you took it that way. That's not an apology. Apology says, I'm sorry. I was wrong. And I'm telling you, the way to have transformation with this Savior who loves you so much is to begin by saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm wrong. I cannot do life without you. Here, in this cataclytic moment, Jesus and John are in the Jordan River. It's awkward. It's so awkward. Because John is like, wait a minute. Do you want me to baptize you? You should, you should baptize me? What, what are we talking about? This is, this, is, this, is, this is Steph Curry coming to you for shooting lessons. And Jesus says to him, no, we got to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Because I did not just come to die the death that humanity was supposed to die. I came to live the life that humanity is supposed to live. In essence, he's saying, I'm not getting baptized because I'm wrong. I'm always right. I'm getting baptized to set an example for those believers who will come after me, who will be at Strauss Square one Sunday and say, today's my day to follow in the example of this beautiful Savior who said, identify with me in my death and in my resurrection. 
John baptizes him. And the Bible says something that I prayed would happen today. The heavens open up. I'm praying this is an open heaven moment for somebody today. And the voice of the Father, look at what he says over the Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. God the Father lets out an audible voice so everybody could hear. This is my beloved Son whom I'm well pleased. I love it because it's as if God the Father is like you and me at the graduation when our person's about to walk across. He's like, I can't be quiet. That's my boy. He's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He had to say something. I can't wait till everybody get baptized. That's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And here's the crazy part. He hadn't done a miracle yet. Hadn't healed anybody yet. Hadn't gone to the cross yet. What you pleased with? Just who he is. That means we can get off the treadmill of trying to earn the favor of God. Trying to earn the love of God. You cannot earn what has already been given to you. Stop trying to earn what God already gave you. He does not accept you for your performance. Your performance is messed up. Your performance is filthy. Your performance is ratchet. But is there anybody here that's thankful that God didn't judge you off of your record? But if you put your faith in Jesus, he will judge you off of Jesus' record. And his record is perfect. His record is sinless. This kingdom is awkward. This kingdom is not like graduation here on earth. Graduation here on earth, you got to make the grades. And when you make the grades and you pass the test, then you walk across stage, shake the hand, get the diploma. That's this world. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says, you could have been a dropout. As a matter of fact, we're all dropouts. Romans 3, 23, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. You could have floated out here to Stroud Square. You still have sinned. You still have fallen short of the standard of God's holiness. This is the beauty of the kingdom of God. The beauty of the kingdom of God doesn't say get your record and your report card together before you get the diploma. No, no, no. The beauty of the kingdom of God says all y'all who dropped out, guess what? You can still come. And on the first day of class, I'm going to give you your cap. I'm going to give you your gown. Wait a minute, I ain't done nothing yet. I know, but over 2,000 years ago, there was somebody who already did it for you, and because his record was perfect, I'm going to go ahead and put a robe over you, and cover your shame, and cover your guilt, and cover you. I'm going to go ahead and put the cap on your head. I know you didn't pass the class, but Jesus passed the test. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. It is not our record. It is his spotless record. And I want you to hear the Savior saying over you what he said over his son. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. The enemy would love you lost in transition. But God's calling you, even in the transition, to hear his approval from heaven over you. Saying, you're loved. You're my child. And I'm pleased with you. I'm going to ask every person to stand to your feet all over this place today. I'm going to ask heads be bowed, eyes be closed.
I wonder what your life would look like if you started living from the approval of heaven instead of for the approval of heaven. I wonder how much more peace you would have. How much more joy you would have if you weren't constantly trying to get the smile of heaven from other people, but you could feel it from your heavenly Father today. I don't know where you come from. Maybe this is your first time into a church environment. You're looking at this preacher going, man, what is he talking about? And there's a lot of people who are saying that Christianity is religion. It is not religion. Religion says, I do. I must earn. Religion said, it is my record that gets me the approval from God. That's religion. But relationship with Jesus says it's his record. He passed every test that I would have failed. And because my life is hidden with him, I can walk with my head held high knowing that he's smiling over me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed here today. And I need to know who I came for. Some of you in here who are in transition. And God is calling you home today. This could be your open heaven moment. Quit trying to earn a love and an approval that has already been given to you. You don't have to get yourself together to come to this Savior. Come on. If you could have gotten yourself together, you would have done it by now. You come to him broken. You come to him just like this one son in the Gospel of Luke, this prodigal son who spent his father's inheritance partying and living his own life, just like some of you, you living your life, you're doing what you want, but you know on the inside you are empty. And the Savior is calling you to come home. And all of a sudden, that boy repented. He thought, even the servants in my father's house live better than I'm living right now. And he starts running home. Today, I don't care if it's just one person, God's calling you back home. And you don't have to clean yourself up before you come. You just come to him just as you are. That's why when that father came after that son, he didn't say take a bath for first. No, he put a robe over him. And he threw a party and said, yes, my son was lost, but now he's found. This is what God is doing. He doesn't call you home waiting to hit you upside your head. He calls you home because he misses you. He calls you home because he knows that this is the only place you'll ever find peace in his presence. That's why he's a beautiful Savior. So right here, with heads bowed and eyes closed at Strauss Square, I don't care if it's one person, man, you'd be worth it calling somebody home today. He says, I need to surrender my life to this Savior. I need to come to him just as I am. If you're hearing the sound of my voice and you've never given your life to Jesus maybe there was a season in your life you were going after the things of God man but all of a sudden your heart's gotten so cold and you've been running and even right now you know God is calling you home if that's you 
I'm just going to ask you to do me a favor. Would you just lift up your hand right here high enough and long enough to where I can see it? Come on, all over this place today. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand. I don't care if you're all the way in the back. I don't care if you're on the side right here. But you know this is for you. And this Savior is calling you back home. Lift your hand up. Thank you, Jesus. I see hands going up all over this place today. Oh, my goodness. This is a game changer today. I'm telling you, this is why you had to be here. This Memorial Day weekend, oh, this is going to be a weekend that you will never forget because this is the day you're saying, God, I'm coming home. I'm tired of running. I repent. I turn away from my wicked ways, and I'm coming after you. Anybody else, just lift it up high enough and long enough to where I can see it. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This and not to embarrass you. As a matter of fact, this is your graduation day. When I count to three, I just want you to walk from wherever you are right here to the front. And when you do it, you're not going to hear silence, but you're actually going to hear the sound of your family members, just like we were at graduation, saying that's one of God's kids coming home. Would you come? Come on. I don't care how far you got to walk. This is your day. Come on. Just come right here to the front. Right here to the front. Come on, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. This is the day of salvation. This is the day to say, God, I turn. I repent. I was thinking the wrong way. I got to give my heart, my life to you. Come on. I see families coming. I see sons coming. I see daughters coming. I see mamas coming. I'm telling you, this is going to change your whole lineage. This is going to change your family. Come on, anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, y'all. They're still coming. Please don't stop clapping until people stop coming. This is somebody's graduation day. This is your graduation day. This is your day. Come on, if you know he's speaking to your heart. I'm telling you, you're his child. You know his voice. You know when he's speaking to you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. want to wait a little bit longer I'm telling you I don't know what your history with the church is the church is not a place full of perfect people it's a place full of broken people who have their eyes fixed on a perfect Savior and his name is Jesus and you can come to him yeah they're still coming they're still coming they're still coming this is why you had to be here today Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Can we join those who are at the front? I just want us to lift up our hands all over this place just as a sign of surrender. love this. This is the international sign of surrender. 
when my hands are lifted, I'm saying, God, I need you. I can't, I can't do this without you. I'm telling you, don't project the nature of man and humans onto God. He is a good, good father. I'm telling you, he loves you so much, more than you can even fathom or imagine. When he hears the voice of his children, when he sees us with our hands raised, he comes. Father, let this be an open heaven moment right now your hands lifted I just want to lead you in this prayer the power is not in the prayer but it is in your words and what you say and coming from your heart today I want you to say this from your heart would you say this say Jesus my hands are lifted because I need you Jesus I know you're the son of God you live the life that I was supposed to live and you died the death that I was supposed to die. You took my place. Jesus, thank you that your record is perfect. Mine is not. So I come to you saying, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. I need you today. I repent. I turn from doing things my way towards you. I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Come on, if you meant what you prayed, can we give Jesus some praise today? We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.